Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the 5571 Podcast. My name is Danny, and for those that are new here, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome as well, too. This is a podcast all about what's new and what's happening at the Disneyland Resort, as well as other Southern California theme parks, too. So let's go ahead and get right into the news. Starting off first with the city of Anaheim. They actually held earlier this week a workshop slash community meeting of sorts um, where they gathered different members of the community, business owners, hotel owners, um, invited guests, people against the project, people for the project. And of course, this is all about Disneyland Forward, right? The project that Disneyland is trying to get approved to rezone all of their existing land um, so that they can potentially use this land in the future to expand Disneyland over the next 30 years as they choose or see to do it. Um, and this was the first sort of large scale community event. They've had smaller ones, but this was a pretty big one, right? Disneyland already submitted um, the guidebook or the rule book. Um, and like the plans that they're going to hold themselves accountable to. That was like a super, super long report. They also had the environmental study as far as um, like the sound um, pollution, noise pollution, traffic pollution, all those environmental studies that they did um, as, you know, per what was requested by the city. Um, Disney spent a lot of money and a lot of time doing those reports to submit all that to show that Disneyland Forward wouldn't have too much of an impact on the city around it other than, you know, positive impacts like bringing in more tax revenue, um, more tourism, etc. However, there are still homeowners in these areas that still need to have their voices heard, right? So that's kind of what these community things are about. Um, and it's a, it's a place for people to kind of share their opinions, but also hear um, in a more workshop guideline, um, different plans from Disney and people that are in charge of the project, um, sort of the facts, right? Because it can get kind of construed out there. We've seen that already um, just amongst content creators on TikTok, you know, who can get really popular videos talking about how Disneyland Forward is this massive project with um, all these rides and lands they're going to put in a Peter Pan ride and, you know, Avengers, pa uh, Black Panther and all this stuff. And the TikTokers and, you know, YouTube content creators and whatever are all talking about how it's all going to happen and it's going to be approved and happening all at once. And in reality, that's just not the case. And so something like this really puts into perspective what it is Disney's looking to do and where it is they want to start and what you know, the rezoning could potentially bring with it. So it's really just a factual based meeting, a workshop per se, which is why they called it that. Um, I was actually invited to attend this workshop, but unfortunately I didn't, wasn't able to attend it. Um, however, Laughing Place, um, their editor and writer, longtime editor and writer, Mike Celestino, he actually was able to attend and did a really great recap on their Twitter and their website. So I'll link the website version of it um, in the show notes so that you can go check that out. Um, and shout out to Laughing Place because they did a really cool breakdown for those people that couldn't go. Um, but I think one of the big standouts um, in the sort of fact sheet that the city of Anaheim gave out, and the fact sheet was also posted publicly on like the Disneyland Forward website, and I think also um, on like Anaheim's website too. So it was like available for people to just download and and uh, and see for themselves if they weren't able to attend the event. So it's on the city website and it's in PDF form. I will also link that too just in case you wanted to download it and see it for yourself. But one of the standout things on there was the parking structure or the parking situation that they were talking about. So 
and all of the previous information that we've gotten about Disneyland Forward um, in regards to like what we've seen thus far really just talks about the rezoning and potentially what might get put in if rezoning is allowed, right? We saw examples of different themed lands in the space that's currently the Simba parking lot. We saw other themed rides and attractions in the space that's currently like the Lilo Stitch parking lots and former downtown Disney parking lots. Um, and we also saw some sort of shopping district, hotel district, and what we know as the Toy Story lot. That's kind of what we've seen, what we've seen from Disney as far as being presented, hey, this is something we could do. Um, what we didn't really see is like plans for parking, right? And we know if they're taking away a parking lot as big as Toy Story parking lot, they're going to have to put in something else um, to, you know, take the place of all that parking that's now gone. Um, now, in the past, in 2016, we're rewinding the clocks a little bit here, Disneyland actually proposed and announced a brand new parking spot, um, parking structure across um, Harbor Boulevard on the other side of the hotels following along Manchester and Disney Way. Because um, it's not technically on Harbor since um, the hotels are all on Harbor and this would sit behind it. However, Disney did all the framework to prepare for this. They bought the Carousel Inn, one of those hotels on Harbor Boulevard, fully demolished it, and that space essentially allowed it to connect behind the hotels where they were going to be building a pedestrian bridge that would go over that space, which used to be a hotel, and cross Harbor Boulevard so that guests could walk freely from the new parking area right over to the resort and not have to worry about crossing a street um, and any dangers that come with that, right? So that whole, they called it the Eastern Gateway. In fact, um, that in and of itself was also a Disney Parks blog post from 2016, and I'll sh also include that in the show notes. So lots of things in the show notes today <laughs> you can click on. Um, but that was a post in 2016 to open in 2018 um, on Disney Parks blog, and I think it was posted by Erin Glover, who used to do kind of the PR post for Disney. I'm not sure if she's still there anymore. Um, but it talked about that new parking structure, the new security um, checkpoint, and then guests walking over the bridge coming right into the Esplanade. So essentially guests would have gone just like at Mickey and Friends parking structure through their own security. And then as they cross over the bridge, they would have already been security screened. So they can just head right into the Esplanade and not have to wait um, any longer in any sort of line at security as they cross over. Now, the issue with this was is that a lot of the businesses and hotels on Harbor Boulevard took a little bit of an issue with this because if they were making all guests go into the structure to get security screened, that means that these hotels could no longer have guests just have that really convenient walk like the Hojo and the Best Western and all those hotels on Harbor Boulevard because these guests would now have to walk all the way down Harbor to where Disney Way is um, and then go into the parking structure to go through security screening to only then head back in the elevated parking structure area to a bridge that would walk over and into the resort. So it'd be a longer walk, a little bit less of a benefit, right, for those hotels and potentially ruining some of their business. Um, in addition to that, there's some smaller businesses on Harbor Boulevard that were against it too because they felt like if there was elevated bridges bringing most of the traffic crossing over from Disneyland um, on that specific elevated bridge, there would no longer be guests freely willing to you know, walk back and forward and potentially spending money at their businesses. So there were a lot of people opposed to it. And this Eastern Gateway project was also a pretty big 
um, key in them building their new luxury hotel at the time, which would have taken over the ESPN zone, the Rainforest Cafe, um, the AMC theater, that Starbucks there, everything up to the Lego store essentially, which is why even to this day, all that stuff is now abandoned, right? Including the ESPN zone and then, you know, Star Wars trading post taking over the Rainforest Cafe, at least a portion of it. Um, it's because all that closed in anticipation for Disney demolishing it and building their brand new luxury hotel in that space. Um, but once it was clear that um, the city of Anaheim was not going to approve any sort of tax break for Disney on this new hotel, based on some, you know, long battle back and forth that they were having with the city at the time, and also the businesses and neighborhood not really wanting the bridges crossing over Harbor Boulevard. It just wasn't really looking good, and Disney just kind of clapped their hands and were like, we're done, we're not doing this. Obviously, that's a real Cliff Notes version of what went on there, but um, essentially that's kind of what happened. Disney scrapped the idea of putting in an Eastern Gateway, that parking structure off of Harbor Boulevard, and they moved forward with adding in uh, an appendix or like an addition, right, to the Mickey and Friends parking structure on top of what was then the Pinocchio parking lot, uh, which is what we have today, which is the Pixar Pals parking structure connected to Mickey and Friends. Now, um, this isn't like their first choice, right? And it's, you know, still a little bit of an annex. They have, you know, a connection via bridges that go into Mickey and Friends and over to Pixar Pals. So, um, it's still added additional parking, which is what they wanted to do prior to opening um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and some other expansions over at Disney California Adventure Park that they felt were going to be bringing more people in that would require additional parking. And it was essentially a dire need at that point. Um, at that point in the design resort's history, um, the parking structure and parking areas in Disneyland were consistently filling up. You would get notifications midday almost every single weekend day that Disneyland Resort was out of parking. They would send um, push notifications on their Twitter um, because back then Disneyland was super active on Twitter since they didn't have an app to like push notifications to you all the time. So um, they would have like a Disneyland like today Twitter, I think it was. Um, and they would send out notifications on there, like when parking was closed. Uh, and I had all those turned on to like notify my phone and it was happening all the time. So, um, back then, you know, we had a lot more annual pass holders than we do now with a lot less restrictions. We saw insane traffic buildup all around Anaheim for annual pass holders descending on the resort in the evenings. Um, it just had reached a point in, in 2018 and 2019 where it was kind of crazy, um, and obviously all that changed after the pandemic, but, um, that new parking that was being added was definitely needed. And, um, when Disney canceled the hotel and canceled the Eastern gateway, it really changed a lot of things. Obviously it left, um, that parking lot now, um, behind all those hotels abandoned. They tore down a hotel on Harbor Boulevard for no reason, uh, because they weren't going to be building a bridge there anymore. And so now if you look at it today on satellite view, that parking lot is still a parking lot and it's utilized by cast members. Um, and they even use that little strip where the hotel used to be as sort of like a little appendix to the parking lot. So there's like little parking spots there in that little strip of a hotel space. Um, so that's currently what it is now, at least for anyway. But that whole long story and ramble tangent moment there 
was to kind of talk about what was talked about in this Anaheim City meeting, where uh, on the fact sheet, actually, we saw for the first time some new concept art for a potential Eastern parking structure in that same spot. Um, So again, a different version of an Eastern gateway. And this parking structure looks very similar to the way that Mickey and Friends parking structure is laid out as far as the look of it, having the plants going up and down the side, the big white elevator towers, etc. It's very, very similar. Um, And it was the first time we have ever seen an updated version of any sort of um, parking structure coming to that space. We saw Again, the parking structure concept art from 2018, which looked very different than this one. It had that early 2000s kind of vibe that Disneyland Resort had with like the cartoonized big signs and stuff. It was really, once you see it, when you click the show notes, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It definitely had that 2010s Disney look. Um, And that's kind of the scheme that it had. So this new concept artwork that was in this fact sheet that they were handing out and then in the fact sheet, they were talking about how they were potentially going to be bringing a new parking structure over there. Essentially, that would be the first move. Um, and it was really interesting um, to see that concept art because it was the first time we'd heard anything about that space, right? When Disney first canceled the Eastern Gateway project, we always thought, man, um, you know, when would something like this get revitalized? And so this could be the first move to do that. And if you think about the reason, one of the reasons why they wanted to do this, um, and, you know, there's a lot of change as far as that space right there. Um, If you think about when you first come into Harbor Boulevard, what do you see, right? You walk into um, a massive bus transportation zone. All these buses coming in from Toy Story parking lot, from the hotels, from just city transportation, um, the cast member buses over on the right-hand side. There's a lot of space there, a a decent amount of space. Um, Originally, rumors had swirled online that this space was actually earmarked to expand Disney California Adventure Park towards, you know, all over all that space there. And um, that would be the earmarked space for Avengers Campus. That was the rumors way back in the day when they were talking about this. I think Mice Chat talked about that, like on a Mice Shades article at one point. Um, So shout out to them if that was them. I can't remember. I just know I remember hearing that as far as um, rumors go. Um, But that, of course, never happened when the Eastern Gateway never happened. So if Disneyland Ford gets approved, right, that space that's there it's already earmarked, it's already zoned for theme park use. So if Disney wants to tear out all those transportation zones and put theme park space there, they can do that. That's already zoned. That's not part of Disneyland Forward. But the Eastern Gateway, that parking over there, that would be part of Disneyland Forward. So that would be the first move. And I've talked about it on this podcast before. I said how it would be the first move of Disneyland Forward kind of moving ahead if we saw new parking be built, right? Because that would mean that things are going to start happening. All the spaces that they're trying to build on at this time are all parking lots. The Simba parking lot services Downtown Disney. The former Downtown Disney parking lot services cast members and hotel guests on the other side of it. So all these parking lots that they want to take away to potentially expand theme parks 
they need to rebuild them somewhere. So I always said in past episodes on Speculation Sunday with Mondo, our first key to see like when things will start happening is when parking starts to be built because they can't take away these parking lots until additional parking has come in to fill that space. So a lot to, to think about, but there's a lot more that was discussed in that workshop. And like I mentioned, I'll post the recap of that so that you can read through it and kind of see what it was all about. But it sounds like some people were for it. Um, one of the callouts um, on Twitter that I saw was that the the owner of the Camelot ho- or Castle Hotel, or I can't remember the exact name of the hotel, but it's on Harbor Boulevard, um, like heading towards Catella, that Castle Hotel right across from Disneyland. He was um, it, it, he was in support of anything having to do with Disneyland Forward. Um, whereas before, I think he was maybe one of the hotels that was boisterous against the change to the Eastern Gateway and the parking on Harbor Boulevard. Um, now he was one that, you know, was in favor of it. Of course, we saw some other residents who have homes nearby um, that were in this meeting that were unhappy with some of these changes, um, mentioning that Anaheim was a city before Disneyland arrived. And, um, and, you know, at some point the city needs to put their foot down and say, hey, you can't expand here. Um, this is uh, no longer, you know, it's not you get to do whatever you want. Like this is for the, the safety, the, the, for the benefit of the community that lives here. And like do what you have with what you have and we welcome the tourism, but like there needs to be a point that stops, right? Residents already complain about firework noise, um, the nighttime spectacular noises, and some might say, well, these people chose to move here, you know, you can, you can argue either way, right? You can argue either way, but um, in all fairness, in some of these areas that do have no theme parks right now, um, those people moved into those spaces where there's only a quiet parking lot right next to them um, with no plans of ever anything being there other than just a quiet parking lot. So um, for them to all of a sudden be right next to the, like literally a stone's throw away from the wall of a theme park, um, that's a different type of environment surrounding your home. Um, and it could affect the value of your home. And if you spent money on your home, you might think a certain way about it, right? So um, we have to kind of be empathetic and think from their perspective. But Disney did everything they could in these reports that they've submitted to the city and also the rule book that they're holding themselves accountable to, um, to sort of mitigate any of these concerns the residents might have and be like, look, we want to build in this space, but we're going to do it in a way that essentially is no different than the parking lot that you're next to now. Um, and in fact, there may even be some improvements. Um, some things that um, Disney's going to really need to work on is, is, uh, is traffic. And they're going to have to really work on traffic logistics for the resort because obviously if the resort's bigger, Disney's going to attract more traffic and they're going to attract more guests. Um, so that would be something that could affect residents around um, the resort. So all the, I think that's probably the biggest place that they're going to have to try to show that they can really work with the city to do something. Um, I feel like the noise complaints and the visual aspect of stuff is something they can easily mitigate um, and showcase very well that they're going to mitigate those concerns. I feel like the traffic one is just something else because currently right now, 
it's already bad a lot of times. Um, and it's, it would only get worse with something like this. So something to keep an eye on. This is definitely not the first meeting, right? Not the first town hall they're going to have about Disneyland forward before anything is voted on by the city next year. Um, There'll be lots of updates, I'm sure, on the on the Anaheim City website. So if you're really into this and want to follow it, definitely bookmark the Anaheim City website and check like postings and stuff because they're going to be posting things all the time. That's how I came across this fact sheet as well. Um, shout out to Scott Gooston. He sent it my way <laughs> because he had gotten access to it. Uh, so really, really awesome. I'm going to keep following this as best as I can. If I can attend certain events, I will. Um, it doesn't always work out with my schedule, but... We'll still talk about it here regardless. Next up, over at the Disneyland Hotel, Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar is going to be releasing a brand new tiki mug that is really, really cool. It's a pretty big mug, too, and it's themed after Ursula's Cauldron. So if you can think um, of the movie, the big cauldron that has sort of like the crowny spikes around it um, with her crystal ball in the middle that she casts all the spells from, makes her potions, looks at Ariel through her little crystal ball. Um, that um, and, and of course, that's also on the Little Mermaid attraction, um, the scene that has Ursula on the attraction. She's standing in front of her cauldron with the little um, crystal orb on it as well. So Disney Parks and Disneyland actually posted a reel and a TikTok showing this new mug um, with a bunch of steam around it. So it's essentially Ursula's cauldron with her tentacles wrapping around the bottom. Um, and then it has the glowing orb in the top of it too. Not sure if they're going to include the glowing orb. Probably is. Um, but it's a pretty big mug, so we can probably guess two things. If it has the glowing orb and it's that big, it's going to be really expensive. <laughs> so um, it definitely looks like a drink that you'd probably share. So think about the Aoa or the Sea Monsters Embrace, um, which also features tentacles, by the way. I actually have that um, Tiki mug. Um, it's really cool. It's Kraken-themed, and it has the big Kraken in the middle of it. Um, but um, those are bowls. I guess more so than a cup and um, and our drinks that you're that are meant to be shared um, so this looks like just based on first looks very similar as far as the size um, when the hand gets close to it dropping the um, dropping the ball on top of it but maybe it's just more decorative and the actual part that holds the drink is really small so we'll have to wait and see um, Disney dropped it said it was coming soon to Trader Sam's and Chantiki bar Disneyland Hotel, at least for right now, um, and that it would be dropping soon. They don't have um, a time frame. They didn't give us a date. They didn't say this month. They didn't say next month. Um, they just shared that little teaser. So we'll definitely find out more. Um, they did put a caption that said, we've traveled all the way to the Caspian Sea and back for a mug that will leave you speechless. Um, so, you know, all little hints and nods to the movie. So uh, it looks cool. Definitely go check it out if you're following Disney Parks on any of the social media. You've seen the video. Um, I don't think I'll be adding this one to my collection, but um, it's definitely a cool one for those that do collect Tiki Mugs. Tiki Mugs is something that I do collect, um, and I have quite a few, actually. <laughs> but this one, it's not quite calling my name, but maybe if I see it in person, I'll change my mind. 
but it's very cool. Next up, I wanted to talk about Disney Genie Plus and some changes coming to that service. Some might say good, some might say bad, but they're gonna be adding some attractions to the service. And this is just the general service. So this is not individual lightning lane. In fact, one of the attractions is coming away from individual lightning lane. And that is Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's going to be leaving individual lightning lane and joining the rest of the attractions on the general Disney Genie Plus service. So coming soon, they didn't indicate what soon meant, at least for this edition, Disney Genie Plus would now include Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So that flat price that you pay to book any of the attractions at on Disney Genie Plus for the day would soon include Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which is a great change. Um, I felt like as a individual lightning lane service, it just wasn't the same. Um, they weren't, you know, getting as many people to buy into it at this point. So it really makes sense for them to kind of fold it into the rest of the service. Um, and I think it's going to add some really great value to Disney Genie Plus as a product. Um, in addition to that, they're also going to be adding Ariel's Undersea Adventure, the Little Mermaid attraction over at Disney California Adventure Park. Um, this attraction did not offer any sort of Fast Pass or Disney Genie Plus before. Um, so it's now going to be adding a lightning lane queue somewhere on the attraction. And they're going to be adding this attraction to the service for Disney California Adventure Park. And it's going just under the regular Disney Genie Plus service. And this one is going to be added next month. So Disney did indicate next month for that one. Um, so we do have a time frame going forward for this one. Um, some were kind of arguing against this change because currently as it stands, Ariel's Undersea Adventures and Omni Mover attraction, right? So for the for, for the most part, the attraction never stops moving, you know, barring any disabled guests that need to load the attraction, which they stop for, you know, letting them load. So it does sometimes stop the attraction while you're on it, um, while guests are loading that need um, additional time. Um, but barring that, the line's always moving because it's an, an Omni Mover attraction. So it's typically one of the shortest waits, something that you can always guarantee a good ride on um, and not have to wait in a super long line. But when you have to hold the main queue to allow a separate queue for Lightning Lane guests to essentially load with more of a priority than the regular guests in the queue, you're gonna then of course extend the length of time you're waiting in the regular standby line. So um, some people were not happy about that change, but I do feel like parents who are trying to plan their day while using Disney Genie Plus service will really appreciate this attraction being added to the service over at Disney California Adventure Park. I already felt like for the most part, unless you were a thrill seeker, um, buying Disney Genie Plus for you know families with small children just didn't always make sense. There wasn't attractions that kids would want to go on. Even something like Goofy Sky School is still too thrilling for some kids. So, you know, at that point, you're left with Incredicoaster, Goofy Sky School, um, the uh, Web Slingers attraction, Guardians of the Galaxy, all things that like maybe younger kids wouldn't want to go on. So adding another sort of younger all-family attraction like Ariel's Undersea Adventure, I feel like it's a really smart move to bring a different set of value to the service over at Disney California Adventure Park. So I think it's a positive change. Um, is it gonna make the regular queue longer? It definitely is. Um, but for those using the service and also for those that are utilizing 
um, DAS for this attraction, it'll provide them uh, an easier way to book that uh, moving forward. So um, we'll keep an eye out for that change next month and then f keep an eye out for when we see the change happen for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Another change for guests trying to plan their visit um, comes in the form of guests who are planning to book their visits using tickets and not magic keys. So if you're a guest that's buying a ticket to the resort, you'll now be able to book theme park reservations up to 180 days in advance. So essentially six months in advance, you'll be able to make a reservation as a ticket purchasing guest. So if you're planning a vacation, it does make it a little bit easier for you to do so when you can plan as far out as six months. Um, especially since you can typically buy a flight like a year in advance. So uh, some people really like to get, you know, their head start on booking reservations um, for Disneyland, making sure they can secure that. Um, so that'll be a change coming to Disneyland Resort guests, again, buying tickets. This does not affect the change at all in any way for Magic Key holders. They'll still be able to book for Magic Key holders um, with just 90 days out in advance. Um, and only theme park tickets will have the option to double that and book 180 days out. Now, whether or not this, you know, removes some of the allotment from available reservations for magic key holders, um, is something to be seen, but I feel like Disney keeps that really separate. So it doesn't really seem like it's going to change anything that has to do with the procedure of magic key availability. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But for now, just wanted to mention that because there's a lot of people who are planning trips that will love this change, especially for those that like to get started early. Next up, over at Disney California Adventure Park, if you remember during Loki Season 1 over at Avengers Campus in Disney California Adventure Park, they had a new variant of Loki every single week in Avengers Campus. As it happened on the show, that variant was in Avengers Campus to greet guests the next or same day. So it started off already, the new season of Loki premiered on Disney Plus, and a new meet and greet appeared over at Disney California Adventure Parks Avengers Campus for Loki and OB from season two of Loki. And um, they are greeting guests for a limited time. Now, we don't know if there's going to be any change to Loki during this season, right? We've only just begun. So maybe as Loki's character changes, we'll also see that character change inside the land, much like it did last time. Um, but at least I would imagine during the runtime of the current season of this show, as it's premiering each week, you'll, it's probably safe to say that you'll have Loki in this new you know, special appearance to match what's happening on the TV show. Um, so when it says limited time, that's probably what you can guess what that's going to be. Um, and typically like a week or so after all the show has premiered, um, you know, we'll see the character go away and the regular Loki who meets and greets inside Avengers Campus is what we'll see return. Next up over at Knott's Berry Farm, specifically for Knott's Scary Farm, the Knott's Scary Farm Pass for the 2023 season is going to conclude its sales this week on Thursday. So if you're listening to the episode and Thursday's already passed, the pass is no longer being sold, but if you still have some time before Thursday, um, well, you have a couple more days to purchase it. Um, it's because there's not that many days left in the season for Scary Farm, right? The last 
I think the last event is on Halloween, so um, buying the pass any later than that would be no longer worth it as far as the cost of it all. So um, currently, if you haven't bought it yet, you want to get it, whether that's an add-on to your season pass or it's a standalone pass by itself, um, you can do so up until Thursday, October 12th. Um, and then use that Scary Farm Pass to visit as many times as you want for the remainder of the season. And also for Knott's Berry Farm, the Knott's Merry Farm event, of course, is returning this year, and the dates for that have been revealed as November 17th, 2023 through January 7th, 2024. So starting a little bit later, the week after Disneyland starts their holiday season, but also goes through the same end date. So both Disneyland and Knott's Merry Farm will be ending their holiday seasons on January 7th. Um, a lot of the things are returning, sounds like, from the little blurb on the Knott's Berry Farm website. We're going to have the Home for the Holidays show on the main Calico stage, which is an amazing show. Um, the Christmas Crafts Village and Ghost Town, so all the little extra booths with third-party vendors that come in and sell their homemade Christmas decor and other gifts you can purchase. A really fun thing. Um, there's the snow and glow experience in Ghost Town as well, where the snow is happening um, nightly at different times throughout the night. Um, Santa's Christmas Cabin also returning over um, by the Mystery Lodge back there um, at the back half of the park. And then, of course, the Christmas tree lighting ceremony. In addition to all the amazing food that they offer during Knott's Merry Farm. Knott's Merry Farm is one of the best times to visit Knott's Merry Farm. So if you're a season pass holder, definitely make sure you go during that period. But if you're not, it's also a great visit um, just purchasing tickets as well too. It's probably no better time, honestly, to, as far as the value you get to visit Knott's Berry Farm than going during this or during the Boysenberry Festival. And lastly, it's a little bit of a slow week of news, right, for the Design Resort, what's new, what's happening, and also other theme parks as well. We're kind of in that lull just before Halloween and before we head into the holiday season where we have a lot more to talk about. So a little bit of a shorter episode this week, but our last news topic, I wanted to dive into the closures for Design Resort, the refurbishment schedule um, of different attractions, some of which we've already talked about, but I like to revisit them because people who are listening and are planning um, like to know about that and that's some of the feedback that I've gotten so um, we'll definitely go through those starting off of course with Mark Twain Riverboat which did close back on September 17th still as the calendar continues to move forward we don't have a return date for that being back in service just yet we have scaffolding all around the boat when I saw it in person it is in dry dock state where they've removed the water so they're definitely doing a pretty deep refurbishment on this boat and it was definitely needed so um, we'll probably continue to see this uh, closed through I would imagine um, up until the holiday season or maybe even through it altogether. Um, and then is over at Disneyland as well. Space Mountain closed on the 18th of September and is going to be reopening on the 27th of October. Um, the last time I was there, like I mentioned, the exterior of the attraction was being refurbished as well too. Scaffolding going up all around the exterior. So um, not only does this include the inside, but the outside as well. Maybe they're cleaning the building, maybe repainting it. We'll have to wait and see, but um, something that hasn't been done in a while on that attraction for sure. And then over in Mickey's Toontown, of course, the Centennial Park, the fountain and all that stuff currently closed, closed on September 22nd, and it's going to be reopening around October 23rd. At that same time, they're going to simultaneously close Goofy's house play area on the outside there, um, 
and right after the other part opens. Um, and then we'll, re we'll see that reopen sometime towards the end or later parts of this year um, for Goofy's How to Play Yard. And then, of course, being that we're just around the corner from the holiday season starting on, um, I think, the first week of November, It's a Small World holiday is going to be closing on October 23rd. Um, to be, or sorry, it's a small world is closing on October 23rd to turn into it's a small world holiday, which opens on November 10th, which is the first day of the holiday season. Um, and then also as well, the Redwood Creek challenge trail over at Disney California adventure park would be closing on the 1st of November, just after the Halloween season. Um, and then reopening on the 7th as they remove all the infrastructure and stuff that they put in there for Villains Grove for Oogie Boogie Bash. But that wraps up all the news for this week's episode of the 5571. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned something new today. And if you haven't already, please make sure you're following, subscribing, whatever to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, um, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and soon to be YouTube Podcasts, or YouTube Music, I guess, um, because Google is transitioning away from Google Podcasts and migrating everything to YouTube Music, which is their new music service, or not new, but it's like their music service app that they're trying to make like an all-in-one thing for including podcasts as well. Um, but, uh, like I mentioned, make sure you're following me there. You can also follow me on, um, on X formerly known as Twitter as just ask Danny, um, Instagram as just ask Danny, and also on YouTube, just ask Danny, where I just posted an amazing new video all about the new hotel tower at the Disneyland hotel for the villas at the Disneyland hotel. So check that out now. Um, if you haven't already leave a like and comment on that and make sure you're subscribed because there's new videos coming out every week um, for the most part and then um, there's lots of, of what's new and what's happening for Disneyland in person coming up on there as well too. But thanks again so much for listening to this episode and if you'd like to be featured on the podcast feel free to send me a voice memo at danny at justasdanny.com um, with a question or a comment um, and I'd love to feature it at some point during the episode. Um, I, I talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. I didn't get too many people sending them in or um, really not even that many at all. So <laughs> if this is something that you're interested in, send me a voice note, voice memo from whatever phone you're using to my email address, danny at justasdanny.com. Um, and then I can make sure to feature that in, um, and what I'd like to do as more of a QA segment, um, at some point in the episode, answering your questions live. And so I think that'd be really fun. So if you're interested in doing that, send that my way, but once again, we'll see you on the next episode.